what does it mean to stand out? What does it mean to stand out from the crowd as a Christian? And we've, this is our third week in this. The first week we talked about confronting our conforming, because uh, the Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we, we've, we've tackled that. And then we asked ourselves, do we want to be better? Do we want to stand out? Like Jesus asked the man of the world, do you want to be well? Well, we have to answer that question. Do we want to stick out? Do we want to be a witness for Christ? Last week we talked about how we are chosen. We are specifically and uniquely chosen by God for a ministry. We have been blessed to be a blessing. We have been saved to uh, draw others to the cross. And today we're going to see that our, our calling or our, our, our choosing is to be a uh, our, our, our appointment has, has been to be an ambassador. Uh, there's a job site called Job Hero, and this is, how they defied the, this is how they define the word ambassador. It sounds like a pretty sweet gig. Ambassadors represent the policies and interests of their home countries around the world. This is the highest ranking diplomatic position, requiring the ambassador to attend and host events with foreign leaders and with representatives while promoting their home nation's policies abroad. An ambassador typically lives in a foreign country for an extended amount of time and has varied day-to-day duties. Y'all, today what we're going to do is we're going to zoom in what it means to be a chosen person of God. We're going to zoom in and we're going to amplify what it means to be that ambassador, a person that sticks out, a person that speaks up on behalf of their sovereign, on behalf of their, of their king, on behalf of their, their leader. And that sounds cool, and that's, that doesn't sound like a hard thing to get. I mean, you get it, you're smart people. But what exactly does it look like to be an ambassador for Jesus in Perryville? What exactly does it look like to be an ambassador for God in Chester or Steelville or Percy? What does it look like to be an ambassador for God at at, uh, Menard or uh, the Mental Health Hospital? What does it look like to be an ambassador for God at at Gilster or wherever? Uh, Wouldn't you know that our God has loved us enough that He has sent us instruction on how we represent our home country? He has sent us instruction on how to represent that kingdom and how to represent our sovereign and our king. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21, If anyone belongs in Christ, if you are a born-again Christian, if you are washed in the blood, if your name's in the Lamb's book of life, if you admitted that you're a sinner and you've placed your faith in Jesus and professed Him as Lord, the Bible says you are 100% absolutely promised by God to be in a person and the name of that person is Jesus Christ. If anyone belongs to Christ, there is a new creation. The old things have gone. Everything is made new. So all Christians are new creations. Church, raise your hand if you are a new creation. If you are a new creation, you are a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're a new creation. Verse 8 says, all this, all this new creation business is from God. Through who? Through Christ. God made peace between us and Himself, and God gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace we have between Him and us. Our job as ambassadors is to tell other people how to be at peace with God. Our job as ambassadors is to tell the world how to be at peace with our sovereign, the way we are at peace with our sovereign. The New King James and the NIV and the New American Standard says that He's given us something what's called the Ministry of Reconciliation. When you reconcile, it means you get along again. We are telling the world how they can get along again with God, with a fractured relationship that happened in the garden. God was in Christ, making peace between the world and Himself in Christ. God did not hold the world guilty of its sins, and He gave us this message of peace. So, we have been sent to speak for Christ. It is as if God is calling you through us, the apostles. We speak for Christ when we beg you to be at peace with God. Christ had no sin, but God made Him become sin so that in Christ we might become right with God. Through Jesus, we are at peace with the Father again. Through Jesus, we're back on the same page. 
2 Corinthians 5.20 in the NIV says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. King Jimmy says in the same verse, Now we are ambassadors for Christ. What does this new creation ambassador stuff, what's it look like? What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to say? Okay, I get it. We're called to be ambassadors. We're called to represent the kingdom of heaven. You're going to have to tell me on, on what to do. You're going to have to tell me how to stick out. And some of you might be saying, well, preach, my, my faith is private, and I want to keep it private. I don't, I don't want all my faith business on the street. Listen to me, my friend. Jesus died for you publicly so you could live for him publicly. Jesus died for you on the spectacle of, the, of Calvary. So you could live a godly life at Gilster's. So you could live a godly life at school. So you could live a godly life at home and at work. So you could get, live a godly life in the public forum. Jesus died for us so we, could, so we could show His love to the world. Church, Jesus does not have any grandchildren. Okay, You're not saved because your grandma was saved. You're not saved because your mom and dad was saved. You're saved because you went to Jesus on your own. And you found the salvation He has for you. You get saved because you went to God. You go to God and you get your own salvation. And praise God. He will give it to you if you ask. There are no undercover ambassadors just as there are no grandchildren in the kingdom. So let's, let's unpack this. There are no convert, there are no co uh, covert. There are no covert ambassadors in our king's kingdoms. There are no covert ambassadors in our king's kingdom. That means you're not a secret, covert, clandestine, CIA type of Christian who's on the down low. Here's what it means. And I'm, it's going to be difficult to bring these around into a relationship with Christ. If all the world sees in our life, the, the ambassadors that we are, if all, we, if all the world sees is us not getting along with our spouse, us breaking relationships with the people in our life, us breaking our promises, us breaking our commitments, us breaking our vows, us breaking whatever, if all the world sees in us is all of our anger and all of our brokenness and all of our bitterness and all of our sin, no wonder the world wants nothing to do with our Jesus. But here's the thing, church. The only people that will draw people to Jesus it's not you and me it'll be Jesus he's the only one that makes Christianity worth it all it's not you and me's witness. it's not our witness it's him in fact if we're held up as an example the world is in trouble but when we hold Jesus up he is our king you'll do well to remember that you're by Jesus' side and you're talking for the master and you're talking with the master and you're talking for the master I want you to think about back in uh, Back in John chapter 4, Jesus went up to that well, and there was that woman, that Samaritan woman, who was a floozy. He, she was real popular with the boys, and because she was real popular with the boys, that means she wasn't very popular with the girls. She went out there at noon, the heat of day, because she couldn't go out there in the morning because the women would make fun of her. She couldn't go out there at night because the same women who had made fun of her in the morning, they're going to be out there in the evening. So she went out there in the heat of day to be by herself. Jesus walked up to her, a Samaritan woman, and just began to say, you know, honey, if you knew who was standing in front of you, you wouldn't worry about this well because living water is standing in front of you. I want to give you living water. I want to change your life. I want to do something in you. I want to do something through you. I know you're broken, but I want to do something. And God does something to her and through her. And the amazing thing is what God did for her and in her, she then she goes and tells a Samaritan town about what Jesus did. Church, Jesus didn't only make peace between us and God so we could go to heaven. He made a peace between us and God so we could tell other people how to get to heaven too. We are His ambassadors. The world identifies us by the identity of our sin, but heaven wants to identify us with the identity of our Savior. You see, the world will call you an addict. Jesus will tell you that you're delivered. The world will call you diseased. Heaven says you're whole. The world will say that you're an outcast. Heaven says, you're mine. 
Church, we serve a God who has called us, who has chosen us, who has appointed us to be ambassadors to this world. I wonder how many people in our life are looking at us all the time and all they see are our broken relationships around us. Church, for God to use us as ambassadors and ministers of recon reconciliation to lost people to Himself, I believe there has to be a work in us by us. I want to say that again because that's important. It's not just all God's job. You've got to help. If you just sit down and say, well, God, if I'm going to change, you're just going to have to change me. Baby, you're going to have to want to change. You're going to have to want to do better. You're going to have to want to be healed. You're going to have to want to go forward. So I wonder how many of us in our life are looking at, at all this and all the broken relationships and we think, well, 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 something's got to happen. They may hear us talking about Jesus, but all they see is the clutter in our life. Our lives will paint an image in the minds of unbelievers as to what God looks like and acts like and loves like and talks like. People will get an idea of your God by our actions. People will get an idea of what our God is like by the way we talk and the way we love and the way we reprimand and the way we admonish. For God to use us ambassadors, I believe there has to be a work inside of us. And that means we live up to what it means to be a new creation. We take our call seriously. People may not know the kind of friendship and relationship you have with God, but they absolutely know what it's like to be in a friendship and relationship with you. They may not know what it's like to be in a relationship with the Almighty. But if you call yourself a Christian... They know what it's like to be in a relationship with you. So we have been sent. This is what the Bible says in verse 20. So we've been sent to speak for Christ. It is as if God is calling to you through us. We speak for Christ. or We are ambassadors. Here the word means that we are representatives of the kingdom of God. What we represent will reflect the way that we act and speak. What we represent reflects the way we act and speak. Preach, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible says in Matthew 15, 18, and I can't put it any close, I can't put it in any clear words on what Jesus does. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the whatever's inside comes out. If you're in the world, the world comes out. If you're in your kingdom, your kingdom comes out. If you're in selfishness, selfishness comes out. If you're in anger, anger comes out. If you're in lust, lust comes out. If you're in bitterness, bitterness comes out. If we represent the world, we will find ourselves fitting into the mold and representing the world's policies and the world's characteristics. But brother, the first time you get close to God, you start showing His policies and His characteristics and what He looks like, I promise you, you will stand out. I promise you. You will be doing what the ambassadors should be doing. You will be speaking for the kingdom. And if we represent Christ and God's eternal kingdom, we'll stand out because the policies and the characteristics of the kingdom of God are always opposed by the world. Here's the next key. If we decided to uh, internally be alright with standing out. If we're okay with going against the grain. If we're okay with stopping playing chameleon. Here's this next step for us to speak. Be willing to speak up. Not just be an ambassador, but be an ambassador who's not a mute. When Jesus spoke, I'm going to tell you something. People listen, and I'm going to tell you why. Matthew 7, 28-29. When Jesus finished saying these things, the people were... Can you believe what He just said? He didn't talk like the rabbis down at our synagogue. Did you hear what He just said? Didn't it stir your spirit? Didn't it sound like He was just reading from the mind of God? When Jesus finished saying these things, the people were amazed at His preaching because He did not teach like their rabbis of law. He taught like a person who has what? Jesus believed every word He said. Jesus trusted every word He said. When He said one man, one woman become one flesh, He believed it. 
When he said, flee for sexual immorality, he believed it. When he said, forgive so you'll be forgiven, he believed it. And that's how come he could speak with authority because he knew it was true. It was true then, and church, it's just as true in 2021 as it was in 33 A.D. You see, absolute truth never changes. It's unwavering, it's unbiased, it's unmovable, it's unstoppable. It will be the truth forever. Jesus knew the message that He was preaching was the truth. This allowed Him to speak up. This allowed Him to speak out. This allowed Him to go against the culture that was around Him. Church, when you and I get convinced that God's truth is the absolute truth, we too can speak with authority because we realize what we're saying is true. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't, what, doesn't matter what higher, uh, higher educational institutions say. If the Bible says it's sin, it's always sin. If the Bible says it's a blessing, it's always a blessing. Whatever the Bible says is true at all times. Jesus understood that. He spoke it. And so he was able to speak with authority. Have you ever noticed how awesome it is to speak when you know you're right? This, the, the phrase of our house and my wife always wants to kill the kids when they say this they'll say mom I could agree with you but then we'd both be wrong and by that time I'm going out the back door because I don't want to see the fallout that's about to go down but those boys think that they're absolutely right now they're not but they believe that they are mom is always right your mom's an angel okay your mom is an angel but when you believe something's right, you get bold. When you believe something's right, you're confident. When you believe something's right, man, you'll go to the mat for it because you know it's correct. Church, the Bible from Genesis to maps is true. Every bit of it's true. It's always been true. It'll always be true. And when we say truth, we mean that's true no matter what. But we live in a time where absolute truths are as antiquated as... A TV antenna. What we live with is relative truth. What our kids are taught in school is relative truth. That means your truth is based upon your experience or your circumstance. And what's true for Jama may not be true for me because truth is relative. Now I'm going to give you an illustration with this. And, and I want you to understand I, I, I could have used an illustration on same-sex relationships. I could have used an illustration on... Uh, gender identity. I could have done an illustration on adultery. I could have done an illustration on gluttony. Doesn't matter. Okay? The Bible says all of those things are sin. Where I'm going to start is, is this. Let's, uh, and this is the only one I'm going to give you, but I want you to understand that the argument's the same for all of them. If I, and don't answer this out loud, please. This is just kind of a, a lesson. Um, does the Bible say that premarital sex is wrong? Most of us would say yes. And then I would say, is it wrong? Then I would ask you this question, and again, just let's have a conversation just, just in our minds. Is, does that mean that it's wrong for everybody? Now see, at that point, lots of people would say, well, it's wrong for me. And that's why I'm going to save myself for marriage. But I don't feel like I can judge everybody. I'm just saying it's wrong for me. What that is, is this. That's that relative truth coming in and creeping in that says oh that's okay for you to believe but that's your truth truth is truth truth is truth for you and truth is true for me truth is across the board 
And to say that circumstances or environment or preference changes truth, that, my friend, is relative truth. You see, relative truth can change at the speed of a tweet, on a whim, or a survey. Let's see what God's Word says about premarital sex. And I want you to understand that I'm going to give you several, several real quick verses, but I could give you 25. And I could give you 25 on all those topics I talked about. Okay, Same-sex marriage, same-sex relationships, sexual identity. I could do that for all of them. But we're just doing this for the argument. Let's see what the Word of God says about premarital sex. Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female and non-binary and transgender and boys who think they're girls and girls who think... That doesn't say that at all, does it? You've got male and you've got female. Genesis 2.24, okay, preach, you got me. For this reason, a man will leave his father and a mother and, and mother and be united to his... Wife, which, hey guys, wife in the Bible is always um, a chick, always a, a, a woman. Always, not one exception. And they become how many flesh? You know what that means, right? I don't got to tell you what that means. That means they were in a marriage bed together between man and wife. Verse, First Corinthians 6, 16 and 18. Do, not, do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute is one with her body. For it is said, the two shall become one flesh. And I love what 18 says. Run from sexual immorality. Get out of there as quick as you possibly can. All other sins a man commits are outside this body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Well, okay, but what's, what's Jesus say, preach? Glad you asked. Matthew 19, verse 4 through 5. Remember that verse back in Genesis 1, 27? Haven't you read Genesis 1.27? What was said all the way back on the first page? That at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be united with his wife and the two shall become one flesh. You know why he could say that with authority? He believed it was true. He believed that's the way it is. That's not a relative truth. That's an absolute truth. It was an absolute truth in Genesis 1 and it's an absolute truth in the 62233. That's absolute truth. When you start dealing with absolute truth in a relative truth world, you will stand out. But when you believe that the Word of God is authoritative, you will have the boldness. When you believe that it's true for everybody and not just you, you can speak with that authority. If not, you just blend in. You see, we've been conditioned to believe that truth is not true unless you choose to believe it. Can I tell you something? Water is wet whether you believe it or not. Grass is green whether you believe it's green or not. Air is needed to breathe whether you believe it's there or not. The truth is, I could show you 25 more references like those, but here's one for the road. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Let marriage. Church, say let marriage. Marriage is when a man and a woman get married. Shocker, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? It's not when a boy and a girl are dating. It's not when they're going together. It's marriage. 
Oh, Brother Mike, marriage is just a piece of paper. Tell that to the game warden when he asks for your hunting license, okay? I can tell you right now. You tell him your hunting license is just a piece of paper, you're going home with a $75 ticket. I may or may not know that by experience, but I will tell you this. Don't ever tell a game warden it's just a piece of paper. You have to have the license. Let the marriage be held in honor among men and let the marriage bed be what? That's talking about intimacy. Let sex take place within the confines of marriage. Brother Mike, they don't tell me that at school. No kidding! But that's what the Word of God says is true. And it's either relative truth or it's absolute truth. It's either true for all of us or it's not true for any of us. Can I ask you a question? If you don't believe that part, what, it, what makes you believe that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son? That whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. How are you picking and choosing which verses you're going with? Because either you believe all of it or baby, throw it away. You see, the only part of the Bible you believe is the part of the Bible you do. Dang, that's not even in my notes. I don't know where I'm at, Miss Pam. Um, we've been conditioned to believe that truth lies in our experiences. And if my experience is different than your experience, then my truth is different than your truth. Church, that's why, why 83% of all the kids in America, under 18, thinks that there's no such thing as absolute truth. 83% believes that all truth is relative. Now, before we say, <laughs> those stupid millennials, us old people are 75%. There are only 8% difference. I'm not going to argue about 8%. I'll go home for 8%. <laughs> it's the same thing. So, y'all, it's not just them. We've been, we've, been, we've been hacked, too. And what I'm trying to make us do today is simply be aware of it. There's something that the world pushes down our throat called relative truth, and God's saying that's not true at all. Absolute truth is where you need to be. Now, you're going to catch some flack. You're not, you're not going to be conforming to the world. People are going to throw some insults at you, and that's okay. People's normal response to the things of God is always the same as it always has been. The world always rejects the God, God's kingdom. The world always rejects the things of God. It's not new. They always reject them. My goodness, they hung Jesus on the cross. If we're going to stand out and speak up, you have to learn this last key. Learn to deal with rejection. Learn to deal with rejection. Too many Christians allow hurt feelings and rejection and Fear of being seen as judgmental, to throw in the towel. I'm going to go back living like the world. I'm going to be a secret Christian. I'm going to be a, an undercover ambassador. I don't, want, I don't want people to make fun of me or think that I'm judgmental, so I'm just going to go back and kind of blend in. Church, if we truly are ambassadors of Jesus, the rejection... not rejecting you they're rejecting your king church if we are truly ambassadors of christ the rejection is not directed at us it's at our kingdom even more importantly than that as ambassadors we are in the business of simply planting seed we're simply in the business of telling people the gospel we're simply in the business of putting it out there on the streets here's the thing if i've saved somebody they're still lost if you save somebody they're still lost we don't save anybody. Jesus saves. All we do is tell the good news. All we do is tell the gospel. All we do is tell people how to come to peace with God.
Friday, we had 21 kids here. Every single one of those 21 kids heard the gospel. My son told me this, because I was down in the dauber. He said, Dad, don't measure success with numbers. We're measuring success by the amount of seed we sow. You see, they don't have to accept you to go to heaven. Oh, they don't have to accept you or me to go to heaven. They accept him to go to heaven. They don't even have to like us. But then again, I don't want to live my life in such a way that people aren't drawn to my God because they don't like me. Represent the characteristics and the policies of, of the kingdom. Be willing to speak up and speak out and speak truth. The seed of the gospel message will be planted. Paul said it like this, 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted the seed. Apollos watered the seed. But who grew it? God grew the seed. Church, we do all we can in our, we do all we can, and we know that God will give the increase. I think one of the biggest tricks the devil pulls on us is to convince us that we have to say the right thing at the right time to make a difference, or somebody's going to fall further away from God. If we say the wrong thing at the wrong time, or, or we get a Bible verse mixed up, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna push people away from God. Church, they're already lost. They're not, you're not going to send them to hell number four. Tell them that Jesus loves them, and let's just try that. Invite them to church. You want to go crazy? Invite them to church with you. The church. Doing nothing is not an option. Doing nothing is not an option. And I love that whole idea about as ambassadors, this world is not our home. Okay, we're pilgrims here, okay? We're not settlers. We're going back home. Hebrews 13, 14 says this, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Church, the right words at the right time can make a difference in somebody's life, but I want you to understand something. It's your accessibility that God will use. It's your availability that God will use. The Supreme Court heard a case about 10 years ago. I'm going to close you with this, this last story. The Supreme Court heard a case about 10 years ago that fits the conclusion of this message. The heart of the issue of the of the court base back in uh, 2012 was the, constitutiona uh, the, the constitutionality of the law that made it a crime to lie about receiving a military medal. They call it stolen valor. Xavier Alvarez was the man that was on trial. It was his case before the Supreme Court. Um, he was a man that nobody disputed was a liar. That was not the case. Everybody knew he was a liar. He was lying about being an ex-professional hockey player. He lied about being an engineer. He lied about rescuing the American ambassador during the Iranian uh, hostage situation back in the 70s. He didn't do that. He even lied about being a retired Marine. But none of those lies is a crime. Only one of his whoppers violated the, wall, the law. He said he received the Medal of Honor. That is a criminal offense. For nearly a century, there have been laws that make it a crime to wear a, an unearned medical, a military medal. But the law making it a crime to simply lie about it is a quite recent one. Passed the statute entitled the Stolen Valor Act. I'm sorry, it went in 2012, it was 206. Xavier Alvarez is what the world would call a poser. Church, can you say poser? You know what a poser is, doesn't you? Don't you? You say you're one thing, but you're not. You lie about it. 
to one degree or another. I know that I'm a poser. Maybe we all are to some degree or another. We want the world to see us better than we really are. We want the world to think that we are better than we really are. We want the world to think that we're something that we're not. We want everybody to hold us in the highest regard, in the highest love, in the highest respect. We want people to think that we are all that and a bag of chips. So to one degree or another, oftentimes we will say things and do things that make us look better or different than what we really are. Spiritually in this regard, God will cut us no slack. Because this is what he says. You can wear all the medals you want and claim all the trophies that you want, but at the end of the day, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Doesn't matter whether you're an ex-hockey player, an engineer, Marine, doesn't matter. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are damaged. All of us. Every single one of us. This would be a real problem were not for the fact that God himself, he fought the battle and says, you want to wear my medal? Go ahead. You want some of my victory? Here it is. It's yours. We serve a God who fought the battle, who fought the war, who cleared out the way, who made a way for us to come home. And He says, I want to give my honor to you. I want to give my medals to you, my victory to you. And praise God, there's victory in Jesus. That's our King. That's the one that we follow. Church, there is a joy and a peace and a confidence and a hope and an assurance being all in with God. And we are called to be God's voice to reconcile people to Himself. He saved you so you could share how to be saved to other people. This includes a willingness to speak up, to speak out, and to speak the truth, to speak the good news of Jesus Christ. So, I hope that you're tired of blending in. And I hope today that you decide to stick out. Almighty God, I want to thank you so much for the folks that are here. I thank you for their heart and their love. Father, I pray that we would be the ambassadors that you have called us to be, to speak to the people that you've called us to speak to. And Lord, we honor you. You are so good to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us, God, the honor of being called ambassadors. Lord, I pray that you would bless these people. I pray that you would hold them in your hand, and I pray that you would just give them your mercy and your love and your grace. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Y'all really, one real quick announcement, and then we'll cut it loose. Uh, we are taking a special offering this morning for one of our own who's dealing with, I'm going to say, a, a disease. Do what? Yeah, that's good enough. Uh, but we're going to do uh, the offering for Vacation Bible School was for Kelly. Uh, we took a special offering last night for Kelly. And we want to give everybody an opportunity to give for Kelly this morning. If you're going to give for Kelly, it is all... All of that offering will go for her. She's a young woman, got a couple of young kids, um, dealing with a really difficult disease. We love her, and we're going to give her a chance for you to show some love to her. There is a gold or bronze or brass dish here in the front, and there's a same dish out there in the front. If your offering is for her today, you can put it in there. Um, your general fund offering goes in the, uh, the brown boxes. One's here and one's in the back. You can always give online and all that other stuff. Uh, but if you're going to give for Kelly today, one here, one there. God bless you. Hope to see you all later. No connect group on Wednesday night. Got two weeks off. But we are going to be doing uh, Bait of Satan starting August 10th. And you can go to our website, chesterfbc.org, to get your books. God bless you. Love you. Have a great day. Stay cool.